Well, we have Paul Benjamin to share with us this morning. He's not going to be talking about the lost city of light, okay? I'm sorry, but he's going to talk about something very relevant. Brother, if you could come up. I want to be able to pray for my brother and that the Lord's anointing would be upon him and really that the Lord's anointing would be upon us to be able to have ears to hear. Amen, church? Brother, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this amazing brother. Thank you, Father, for the truths that you have built into his life over so many years. Would you empower him by your spirit to speak so clearly to our heart? Father, you know the needs of our heart. Anoint this brother to speak to those needs. And Father, I ask that your word would not return empty, but accomplish every good intention of your heart. Would you do that? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Well, I guess... um... There is a lost city, the one that we have that's under attack right now from all aspects. Are we going to lose our city? And the lava symbolizes the heat of the day, the things that are coming to destroy what was there before. And um, it's good being back here again. I remember way back in the day, I came and spoke and the great fellowship we had and Good to see you put a cold web over there, and and um, but now um, my wife and I we're in a different state, and every state we seem to visit, there is the same need for Jesus everywhere, and um, so we're needed to be salt and light, and the greater the darkness is, the greater the light, and so, but let's pray as the word goes forth. Father, we thank you for today. That as I speak, don't let me speak my words, but let me speak your words. And that you'll quicken your word by your Holy Spirit to go to the hearers as they hear from you, not from me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a single mom who um, had two troubled young sons. And she said, well, I don't have a, a husband and let me take them to the priest. So the first one went in, the oldest son and Johnny. And so the, the priest stood at the desk and he said, Son, where is God? Guy looked around. Said, Where is God? And he stood up and he said, Where is God? And the young man got up afraid and ran out to his brother and said, Stevie, don't go in. They've lost God and they're blaming me for it. (laughs) Today in our society, um, James, um, John said, as Jesus was, so are we in this present world. And as we look around, to the degree of our influence represents the condition of our, of our society. And um, we're talking about a mountain, we're talking about volcanoes, but um, the book that is coming out soon, um, it's been in the making for, for probably about a decade, um, and going back even... 15 years ago when my, one of my first board members wanted me to write a book back then and, and I said I don't have the time but God paused everything just to give me the time to finish the book that's been percolating for years and it's about to come out and it's going to address a lot of relevant things from its source to, to where we can make a difference as individuals but um, I think I'm going to call today's topic the power of one the power of influence that you, one person, linked in a relationship with Jesus Christ can transform the world. And, um, and as we look around, 
And um, there is this teaching that's going around about the seven mountains that we need to influence. But God only has one mountain. And um, I'm not going to unpack all the stuff in the book that will take decades to do. But um, my wife cautioned me with the book that um, not to make it an encyclopedia, but to narrow it down. And even the narrow down version is pretty lengthy when you have a teacher unpacking things to bring it to the, to the lower level that even the um, unbeliever could understand a lot of the principles. But uh, I wanted to touch on some scripture. I'm not going to go too long and too in-depth with the stuff because um, a half an hour message can last for about two or three hours. But um, in John 17, we're going to talk about a story of David. Uh, we're also going to, um, for those who are at home watching online, uh, we'll also be going to Judges 9. I'm just going to quickly pull some nuggets from different scriptures, and you might want to write it down and read it in your leisure. But um, the first mountain I want to talk about that is impacting the entire world is the family mountain. And that is the only mountain that God came to address. The family mountain, the very word family, comes from the word father. So as the father goes, so goes the family. And then the father's job in, in Proverbs 22, 6, the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're grown, they will not depart from it. That means you direct and influence your children according to their bent. If one of your children are more artistic and has a, a bent towards the arts, don't crush it. Sanctify it and bless it and promote it and cultivate that gift within and direct it. The Bible says, as arrows are in the quiver of the hunter, so are children in the quiver of a father. So we need to realize that our children are to be influenced by the father to make an impact for the world. Jesus, when he came, and as 12 hours before he went to the cross in John 17, which is really the Lord's Prayer, not Matthew 6, that is our prayer. But Jesus is, is praying to the Father. He says, Father, I finished the work you sent me to do. Now, this is 12 hours before you went to the cross. You and I know it wasn't finished yet, but what was the finished work? He said, I've declared your name. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Right? Upon that relationship, he said, this is eternal life. Today, we look around our society. What is the one common thing that is now um, influencing around the world? It is the lack of dads, the fatherless generation. And as we look at what, what happened there with the George Floyd uh, murder that we all witnessed on, on television, was George Floyd a fatherless man? Fatherless man. And the cry of the, the Black Lives Matter that is now um, going all over the world, and that spirit, an antichrist spirit, was birthed from the pain of the heart from being without a dad. And the enemy has used that to um, create this movement. But we, the body of Christ, we need to realize when we bring somebody to the hope of Jesus Christ, we're not bringing them just to him. He's bringing us to his dad. The whole Bible is about a story of a dad who lost his children in the first garden and the second garden he reconciled us back to himself. So that one mountain influences all the entire world and it comes back to the home. But today we have more men that are caught up in their sins and they're not being the influences that God has called them to be. 
Um, I'm sharing the principle, as Pastor Mike mentioned. Now we have taken, the Dream Center has left the building. We're now teaching pastors how to turn your facility into an impact center. Right? The first one we did in Orlando, the, the, the daycare. How often is a daycare being used on Sunday? An hour, hour and a half? And it sits there dormant all week. Could you imagine the amount of assets of the church owns around the world and it's only being used for about three to seven hours per week. Is that a good use of, um, of resources? Could you imagine if, if you owned your house and you only slept in it for three hours for the week? It's not a good use of resources. So we're teaching them how to now impact the community by retrofitting that facility to be an impact in the community. Because every crime that's committed, it is within one mile from a local church. So one mile from here, there's a young lady going back home and is going to be abused. There's a single mom somewhere being molested. There's a child or a young man getting involved in a crime, either a carjacking or something he shouldn't be doing. And the church is right nearby. So I shared that with some pastors and they began circling the nightly news wherever there's a crime. One crime, as we were watching the news, was actually in the parking lot of the church. Right, just 20 minutes from here, a couple years ago, you've heard of the the mom that was killed by her 15-year-old son, and where was she buried? In the church's parking lot. Right there in in, um, in our community, 15 minutes away. So we, the body of Christ, we need to be intentional. The kingdom of God is not retreating. We're supposed to be advancing. We're not supposed to be responding. We're supposed to set the temperature of today. So as we look back at the story of David, a young man, we know when Jesse came, God told him to go and anoint the next king. After Saul disobeyed God and he tried to please the people, he said, you no longer will be king. So God needed to find another man that can now lead his people. He came to Jesse and he said, oh, I need to see your sons. All the big buffed up muscle guys showed up and handsome and he said, that's not them. He said, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to leave until I see all your sons. He says, well, I do have another one. He's out there with a sheep. So he, he smells not too pleasant. And um, he says, I'm not going to leave until he comes. Today, you, you might be sitting here. and you, you might be the, the black sheep of the family, so to speak, and might be overlooked for years. But God says, you're the one. When I put my anointing on you, everything will change. David came and he said, that's the one. You see, the Bible says, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. And here it is now. David went to visit his brothers in the battle of the day. We all know the story. Pastor Mike probably shared it with the kids in a Sunday school format. But here the reality is, Goliath, the giant, nine foot plus Challenging the children of Israel, which is pretty much what's going on today. The enemy is challenging the church. The word Goliath means alien. The enemy is always encroaching, seeking to devour us and to take us out. And his brothers are fearful, hiding behind a rock because the man says, send me your champion to fight with my champion. And based on the rules of law, of, of war, if their champion took him out, then they will now take you out. So these guys are fearful. And David said, 
Is there not a cause? As we look around today, is there not a cause? When you turn on the news and you see the rioting and the amount of things that are going, police officers being killed, and we know what happened here in our city with the Trayvon Martin case, which birthed the BLM movement. But now, since that incident, we've had officers being killed, and the, the, the death rate has gone up to 1,100% since that time in our nation. And so we need to see how we can realize the enemy is encroaching. And David said, is there not a cause? And David went to Saul, and Saul approved him to go. And Saul, we know the story. Saul tried to put his armor on him. God wants to put his armor on you, not another man's armor. You are equipped and have been given his anointing to do what he's called us to do. But the story was, as David gathered the five stones and went with a sling, the giant kept cursing God. As we look around today, what is the curse that we are seeing that the curse against Jesus Christ? We're seeing pastors are being thrown into jail for taking a stand. Um, we're seeing um, bars are allowed to be open or um, places where they sell weed and so on, but the church could not meet. But the businesses that are essential, um, a matter of fact, in um, one of the states, the, um, the prostitution joints are an essential business, but the church is not. And um, all those things that are immoral, the Bible talks about, Paul said in Second Timothy, he said, in the last days, what? Good shall be called evil, and evil shall be called good. And Paul said also in the last days, parents shall be killing children, children shall be killing parents, and there'll be um, an outflow of evil and violence around the nation. And he says, evil men shall what? Grow worse in the last days. So are you seeing a parallel where we are today? And as we look at Ezekiel 22, this is a picture of what we see today. We see the immorality within the church or immorality within the community. And God said, I looked for a man who can stand in the gap and make up the hedge before me so we'll not have to destroy the city. So today, are you willing to be like Isaiah that he said, who is going to go for us and represent us in our day? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Are we willing to be that one person that's going to take a stand regardless what the media may say, regardless what your friends may post. Jesus said in Matthew 10, he said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. What? What does that mean? I thought, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, in other words, he said, when you take a stand for me, you have to be willing to realize your wife may not agree with you, your children may not agree with you. Your friends may not agree with you on Facebook. They might defriend you. They might post all kind of stuff against you. But are you willing to stand with God? When you stand with him, you're the majority. But are you willing? Are you healed on the inside? Is your validation coming from God or is it coming from your friends? Is your, is your value based on how many Facebook likes you get? How many people read your Instagram? How many people read your tweets, whatever it is, or is it based on 
This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Upon the father's affirmation there when he affirmed his son Jesus in Matthew 3, he says, this is my son. Jesus, upon the affirmation of a dad, of his dad, went into the desert 40 days and 40 nights. You see the parallel? Goliath, the alien, the intruder in our lives that is encroaching to take over, was walking to and fro in the camp of Israel to take them over for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus, the son of the living God, fasted 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is the divine sifting of God. So what the enemy was doing for 40 days, Jesus Christ canceled and put it under his feet. So we have the power and eternal light of God to put what the enemy is doing today under our feet. But are we going to shrink back and, and walk in fear? The book goes in to expose this whole um, COVID-19 and what's going on and the deception behind it. Are we going to fall prey to the deception of the enemy? Or are we going to remove the blinders and see the light of what's really going on? This is all in preparation for what's coming. And as you read a lot of the, the things that are in the book and the things that are exposed in the light of where they are, the church is asleep. And God is using things like this to awaken the church. Because we have allowed a lot of things to go on that should not have gone on. It's happened at, at our watch. And um, going back to now, I'm going to segue to the story in Judges 9. Here it is, Abimelech, the, the son of Gideon. And as we know the story with Gideon, going back in Judges 6, just briefly show you the spirit um, in Gideon. Here it is, Gideon is hiding. He's Because the enemy has encroached, taken over the land. He's hiding in the, in the little cave, doing, making his... Um, crushing his wheat so that the enemy doesn't come and steal his food. And he's trembling. Are they going to come? He's listening out for the noise. The angel of God came to Gideon and said, You mighty man of God. Gideon went like that. Who are you talking to? He's talking to you and I. With you and God, you're a mighty contender for the faith. Here it is. Gideon was a wimp hiding in a cave from the enemy preparing his meals and whatever, and God called him, you mighty man of God. Today, guess what God is calling you? To be a mighty man, a mighty woman of God, a mighty young woman, a mighty young man of God, to go out and reach this generation, not with venom, but with a victory through Jesus Christ. They're looking to see the Father of God in us. When they squeeze you, is this going to be you coming out, oozing with profanity, or is it Jesus Christ going to come out? Right, when Jesus said it in Matthew 5 in the Beatitude, when he says to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, you can't be perfect. You might be carrying some more weight than you should be around certain spots from um, having too much bread, and as you get older, it's still there. Or my words are not matching the words of God. No, when he meant perfect, what he was alluding to what makes us perfect? Paul says in Colossians 3, he says, love is the bond of perfection. So in other words, and the proof of love, didn't Jesus command us to love our enemies? Well, if he were commanded to love our enemies, why can't we love our wives? 
Why can't we love our children and our neighbors and those that just finish bashing us on social media? Or do we reciprocate and go back and post something nasty on their Facebook? Right? No, he says love is a bond of perfection and the proof of your love is in your ability to forgive. That is the measure of your perfection. So if you can forgive and walk in forgiveness, that is the proof of your love. Because anybody can, can say I love my friends or whatever until they post something nasty about you, then I don't love you anymore. But the love that God is calling us to do is the love that forgives. What does he say? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. And what did he say on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is the measure of our relationship we need to walk in today. And as we begin to realize the mandate that God has given us, we need to take the lead. We need, don't need to be reactors. We need to have a, a calculated response for when the enemy comes at our door. Coming back to the story in um, Judges 9, here it is, Gideon is dead. Now his sons, he was a pretty busy man, almost um, like um, Solomon. He had many wives and he had 70 sons, all from different wives. And here it is, they're all murdered except in one. And the, the, the parable that was shared in Judges 9, he said, I went to the vine to lead over us. The vine is what? But produces the wine. The vine said, I'm too full of wine and I'm relaxed and I'm doing all right. He went to the olive tree, symbolizing the wealthier church, those that are doing well. He says, we're too caught up with our wealth and our, our prestige. We don't have time to go and minister to those that are in need, to be the leader, to be the influencer. And so he also went and he approached the, um, the trees and said, would you be the one that will rule over us? And then after he tried all of the those that are influencers in the community, none of them were able to lead because they were too busy caught up with their own things. Then the, finally, the bramble bush. The bramble bush represents the thorns and those of lower degree that will cage you in. And in the bramble bush said, we will rule over you. When we look around our society today, who has the loudest voice? Who is influencing the most laws? The 2 and 3% of our nation that have the greater voice because we've neglected them in our community. Now they're ruling and changing laws while we're at sleep. We saw the Supreme Court pass some strategic rulings a couple of weeks ago. It's because we were asleep. And we forgot that we are the influencers because we don't vote for a company, we vote for people. And if the character of that person does not represent the character of Christ, who are we actually getting involved with? And you see, we are the ones that influence by raising up the next generation and putting them in places like we spoke earlier in Proverbs 22, who are we raising up to lead our city? Who are we raising up to be the next mayor in our community? Because we're supposed to come, and the Bible says, to be salt and light, to influence. Salt gets involved. Salt 
gets in between all the things of society and begin to preserve and influence. But the church, when the, the scripture is read, come out from among them and be separate. It didn't mean to come out and go and close your doors and alienate everyone around you. you no, know, in other words, you can be among them, but not with them in doing the same actions. We've had some people say, well, I can go and minister in the bar. Uh -uh, that's not the, the strategy that God meant. It meant that you could influence those people before they get to the bar and so on. And as we look back now and we see how we're coming to this situation within our nation, David said, can I show kindness to Jonathan? And when he found out the one way he can show kindness to Jonathan was his son Mephibosheth was dropped. As I'm wrapping up now, we look around our society and we want to find out who has been dropped that we can show God's favor to. Who is crippled that we can now be of assistance to? We're not talking about those who are physically crippled, who are emotionally crippled. And as we look around, as you've heard the statistics of the fatherlessness in our nation, in the urban community, nine out of ten of those young men that are rioting on the streets were raised in homes without a dad. And um, I keep getting calls here from the um, sheriff department that they're always having young men and young women that are need, needing mentors. Who's going to stand in the gap and mentor them? Just like that single mom brought her two sons to the priest, they're looking to bring them to somebody who's going to influence them. Is it going to be a man of God or a woman of God that's going to pour the love of Christ into them? Or is it going to be the enemy that just waiting to recruit them? Radical groups right now are going into fatherless communities recruiting these fatherless young men. In 2013, you might have looked on the news and you saw the hostage situation in Kenya. Well, guess where two of those men came from? The United States. They were trained, recruited, and radicalized and given M-16s to go and hold those people hostage. They were the ones that were not mentored by the church. Because as we mentor them, they embrace the same heart that we have. They embrace the same God and the same love that we have. But are we really living and modeling the love of Christ? Are we really being sensitive and engaging in our community to be that conduit of change that God can use? And um, so as we look at Mephibosheth and see that God used David to bring him from where he was in Lodabar, in other words, he was living in poverty. He was living in a dejected way of life. He went from more or less the pit all the way to the palace to sit at the table of the king. Who are we going to pick up that we're going to bring them to the re in a relationship with the king? I love that song we sang earlier with um, the I'm not a victim. Because the victim mentality keeps you hostage to the past. But we are victors. We look forward to a vision ahead of us, and we go ahead and make an impact. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, he says, A wise man sees what's coming ahead and prepares now for what's coming. Remember the hurricane season? I think it starts this month here in Florida. What do, we, do we wait till um, WDBO comes on and says, There's a hurricane coming tomorrow? No, I'm sure most of us already have... 
most of us already have our flashlights and um, already prepared. So we need to be in preparation for what's coming. Well, what's coming is no longer coming. It's already here. We don't go when the storm is, is blazing through your door and try to go to Home Depot to buy some plywood to put on your windows. It's too late. <clears throat> we need to be prepared. Is our lights ready and trimmed for this time and season that we're in? And um, so Meshavosheth, for the rest of his life, sat at the king's table. Who is God going to place in your life that you are ready and being equipped and trained to influence? Because if you don't influence them, remember, the enemy already has somebody waiting to influence them. There's videos online that are just waiting for people to put the right search word and they will train them how to do everything to destroy you and I. What are we putting out there that will draw them to the hope that was in all of us? And today we have those answers and today we need to be the church of God that's going to say we're going to go and be salt and light and influence in every aspect of society. If God has placed you in marketing, how could I use my skills to advance the kingdom? Right? When this book comes out, it's going to be strategically marketed, marketed to all different platforms because it addresses the panacea of everything in the community. Right? If, you, if your passion is um, sports, how, how are you influencing the young generation that you're training in your sports? Are you embracing the strategies of God? Like the young men that came to me back at the center years ago, this story is in the book that, that tr transformed their lives and their single moms. They came and said, Mr. Benjamin, um, could you sponsor us for Pop Warner? I said, no, because they're coming for a free handout. And they know, Mr. Benjamin, you don't say what, um, how much money you can get. It's, no, is what kind of work could I do to earn money? Two days later, I had them set up with a hose to wash cars, soap, some burgers and hot dogs, give them a grill, give them signs to make. In two days, they made $660, paid for all of them, and they had 120 left over. At the end of it all, they came to me and said, uh, could we have the money that's left over? And I said, who worked for it? They said, we did. Well, I said, it's your money. And I divvied it up between the six of them. That picture is still in my office today because we are called to be the influencers to our community. And so a lot of those things are unpacked in the book and strategies, how we can effectively impact our region. When we had first launched the center 20 years ago, we had um, the highest crime in the entire county came from that community. And I said, God, send me a man from there. And two days later, that man showed up. And that was the opening to start that center. And for those who might not have known the story, the, the, the facility was three quarters of a million dollars. I only had $500 in the bank. And I, the Lord said, meet with the owner. I said, Mr. H, we have a lot of vision to impact this community and to make a, a, a significant impact for the Lord. And these are the stats and this is what we plan to do. He says, Reverend, I don't see any reason why we can't make that work. I asked him to donate a quarter of a million dollars off of his price and to put that towards our down payment. I asked him to hold the mortgage and I liked him to let us collect the rent from that tenant. He says, Reverend, we can make that work. We closed in 30 days. We saw within one year the crime drop from, from where it was 50% within the first year. The power of influence when we go out and use 
the power of one to make a difference. David was that man in his generation. Ezekiel tried to do it in his generation. Everyone is in your generation. Are you being that person, that power of one, to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Abraham, when he was asking God to spare Sodom and Gomorrah, he went all the way from 50 all the way down to 10, because 10 is the number for divine government. But what if he went all the way down to 1? Would you be the one that said, I'm going to stand in my generation to make a difference? So, Father, we thank you. Your word has gone forth, and we pray that whoever has heard it today, that they will be that one that you can team up with to be a powerful influence in this day where it's the darkest. Because for such a time as this, you've placed us here on this earth. And as Esther stood in her day and said, what if you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? So today we know that everyone that is here today, we are here in this time and this season, not by accident, but you have called us to stand in the gap to be that power of one with you. With you, we are the mighty army that can go and revolutionize and change our world. In Jesus' name, amen.